Hey, hey, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 34, and it's also session four of Ask Scott. This is where I'm going to answer your questions, and this is the fourth session, that's why it's called session four, uh, that I'm going to answer voicemails that come in through the blog from you, the listener, and I'm going to go ahead and answer them on today's show. That's what I usually do on Fridays. It's when I'm going to try to stick to that plan. And today I am really, really pumped up because we just finished up our workshop the other night, and I'm going to be talking a little bit about that here in the beginning before we get going. I'm going to do a little housekeeping. I'm saying that with air quotes. I was corrected on this the other day on the blog. Someone was saying that I should be saying, instead of house cleaning, I should be saying housekeeping. So I just wanted to say that I'm, I'm going to try to say it right, I guess, if that's really right. Um, anyway, I thought it was kind of funny. But anyway, so um, what I'm going to be doing today, though, is talking all about or answering all of your questions. But what I did want to do is I did want to kind of touch on a few of these things. The the workshop that we had the other night was amazing, and I really want to thank everyone for sticking with us through the entire thing. We had over a thousand people signed up. It was about a thousand fifty-five. Well, some of those people couldn't make it, and they already told me they couldn't. They wanted to listen to a replay. But we had at one point we had about seven hundred people on, and about six hundred and. 30, 640 of you stayed on just about through the entire thing, which is amazing. So thank you all for taking the time to hang out with me. It was really a lot of fun. And if you were on the uh, hangout, then you know that we had a little bit of technical difficulties in the beginning. And I think that was because everybody was, everybody was coming on at once and it kind of jammed up the software. So uh, I apologize for that. All right. So that was really cool. And the big announcement that I had on there, if you didn't go to the uh, the work workshop or the hangout, the big announcement was is that I am and I did release a, uh, a class. Okay. And it's a very, very, very small class right now. And the reason why I did that is because I wanted to create a program, a course, whatever you want to call it, a community. I wanted to create this along with 25 new students, let's call them, because the name of the class is going to be Private Label Classroom. And it's going to have uh, it's going to have modules in there, a lot of what I covered on the workshop, but really diving deeper into these topics, because a lot of people asked me in the past if I would do any coaching, and I've always turned people away. So I figured this is going to be the best way to do it after I kind of asked you guys what you wanted, and this is what you wanted. So I did that, and... I was shocked, really shocked, because we opened up the doors right then on the, the, the live webinar, the workshop, and literally in 50 seconds, all 25 spots were gone. Amazing, okay, amazing, and I have people contact me even today, people saying, Scott, is there any way you can squeeze me in, and, and there's, there's no way I'm going to do that, because we're going to release this to the public in probably around, well, I'd say about three to four weeks, maybe five weeks at the most, um, once we get the course built out, and it's really cool, because we're going to do some live hangouts with that group, we're going to be building the course for them and with them, and they're going to also help us by giving us the feedback, and I say us, Chris Schaefer, who I interviewed on the show, who's become a good friend of mine, and who's a uh, Amazon seller who also does consulting, he's going to be helping me uh, inside of the uh, of the class. Uh, so uh, I just want to say again on the show, thanks, Chris, for showing up and really hanging with us that night because you really helped out a lot. But anyway, so that's that, okay? I just want to say again, I'm really, really excited about that. And from all of the feedback so far, you guys are really excited too. So if you did miss out on that, don't worry. We are going to be opening that back up in about four to five weeks, okay? And I'll let everyone know that signed up for the webinar, the workshop, 
you're going to uh, you're going to be notified because you're on that list now of people that signed up, and I'll send you guys a special offer before we actually go live, and uh, and you can get in on that if you if you want to uh, listen to the workshop. If you missed it, there is a replay. Okay, you can just head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash workshop, and then from there you can go ahead and watch the replay. We had downloads that we we gave away with that. Um, we gave all the slides away to the presentation that night that we went through all of the all of the lessons and all of the stuff that I went through in the five phases for building this business. So all of that stuff is there. Um, so just head over there and, and you'll find that stuff. Now in the future, if you listen to this a year from now, uh, that particular link right there may be a live workshop that I'm doing there. Cause I plan on doing more of these. These were just a lot of fun. I love getting on there and interacting and really just, you know, kind of going through the entire process, but really just digging in deep. And that's what I wanted to do here. And Everyone really, really enjoyed themselves and said that they learned a lot. I had a whole bunch of people say, Scott, I, I felt like, you know, that was a thousand dollar presentation that you gave us because I learned so much. So I really appreciate that because that's what I want to do here. Just like the podcast. Okay. The podcast is always going to be free. There's never going to be any charge for that. So I just want to clear that up first. Okay. I just want to be clear about that because some people are probably thinking, well, okay, now you're going to start. No, that's not going to happen. All right. So moving on again, just, I'm really, really excited about that. Oh, and if you did want to be notified about that, if you didn't sign up for the webinar, or any of that stuff, you can head over to the amazing forward slash classroom, and you can go ahead and get on an early list over there to be notified about that. All right. So the third thing I want to say is the Facebook group that we created is going bananas, and I absolutely love it. We have about 1,900 members in there as of right now, the time of recording this. So guys, keep it up. Keep posting those pictures of where you're listening to the podcast. I want to I want to put together a big you know a big uh, montage with all of the all of the pictures. So that would be really really cool, uh, and I'm I'm going to do that. So the other thing is is if you're brand new, you're listening to this, and you've never heard me before, uh, and you need some help, head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash start and you're going to find a whole bunch of lessons right there through the podcast that I've done here, and you can just start listening to them one through whatever. I think it's like one through six, um, and then from there, what you'll do is you'll you'll start to get the the plan together, okay? And you can create and launch your own business just from listening to this podcast, and I've said that in the beginning. That's what I created this for. I wanted to walk you through the steps that I did to get to the point where I am now, all right? So the last thing I want to talk about before we jump into the old Q&A, the old Ask Scott, uh, we're going to just look at the iTunes review. I want to read one because one really resonated with me. So this one here was submitted by Rocco Rico Rucco. I'm not making that up. And uh, <laughs> the subject line is great host, great info, great advice. Five stars. Uh, Scott delivers awesome value with his podcast. His TAS podcast answers so many questions related to FBA, importing, and getting started. I always look forward to this to his next episode, and I'm thankful he created this. He's a great host, doesn't speak too fast, and isn't overly repetitive. Kudos to him for his generosity. I feel like I owe him, or I owe it to him, to get off my butt and take action. Smiley face. You do. Rocco, you do. Okay. You owe that to me. Get out there and take action. I've said that all along. All right. Just take the things that I'm teaching, whether it's in this podcast or that workshop that I just did. If you want to go watch the replay, it's all there. Do it. Take action and you'll see results. I promise you. All right. So with that being said, let's just dive right into the questions. All right. That's what I want to do here today is answer your questions. If you do have a question and you want to answer it on the show, you can always head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash ask. And then you'll see a, a button there where you can record a message and I'll play it on the show like this and I'll answer it live. So with that being said, let's answer the first question. Hey Scott, uh, this is Michael Vesey from the United Kingdom uh, over in Britain here. 
Um, beautiful sunny day over here. Hope you're having great weather in the States as well. I'm loving your podcast, Scott. I'm listening to every single episode that you've produced. Um, some of them I listen to two or three times because there's so much value and actionable insights. Absolutely fantastic. Um, so, um, quick question. I've got one product live. I'm about to start looking for, um, the next several products. And it strikes me that the big, uh, hurdle in this business to overcome the hardest thing, um, apart from selecting products, which is a question really of, you know, uh, you've talked about to, to a large degree. I don't think that's the big hurdle that some people make of it. But for me, it's sourcing good suppliers in China that will produce reliable quality stuff, uh, that the defect rate is low, that their lead time is short. Um, I found that quite a challenge with my first supplier. I'm wanting to find an agent in China to have on the ground. That seems to be the way forward for anyone who's serious that I've spoken to or heard about through other podcasts, etc. So any ideas, how would I find an agent in China who's reliable and um, who does what they say they're going to do and is smart and knows how the factories operate and can get good prices, all the other things that we usually want? Um if you found your agent, then I'd be interested in how you found him or her. Uh, like I said, amazing podcast. It's a level of quality of stuff I would cheerfully pay for, but the fact that it's free is an amazing bonus as well. Keep up the good work. Hope you get around to answering this question. Thanks so much. Bye. Okay, well, Michael, this is a great question. Uh, I get asked this a lot, and there's really no easy answer, to be honest with you, and I wish I had an easy answer, but you definitely want to look for a good agent that's going to be able to help you through this process, and there's not like one way that you're going to do this. Anyone that I've ever talked to kind of goes through it like, you know, uh, I, I went through Alibaba, and we're just using Alibaba as a you know, as an example, but you could go through even AliExpress, which is the same idea, right? It's, uh, you're just going through a channel that, you know, allows us to connect with these suppliers or agents. Now, what I've been told is that a lot of the suppliers that are on Alibaba or even AliExpress, they hire agents to do the work, basically like a salesman in, or saleswoman uh, that will that will go through and then do all of the communications, do all of the you know the back and forth work, and then they make a small commission off of the uh, you know off of your business, and that's really how I found my supplier. And actually, I've got two suppliers, but the one supplier turned me on to the second supplier or agent, should I say. I, I should have said that differently. I have two different agents and I guess they have, you know, two different suppliers or whatever, however that works. But uh, what I did was, is I was looking for a product and the very first thing that I do uh, now that I have this agent, which I didn't even know she was an agent at first. I just thought it was the supplier talking back and forth to me. But then as I further found out, I found out that she is an agent. And then I asked her, I said, Hey, I'm thinking about rolling out, you know, this new product. Do you guys offer this? And then she came back and said, uh, well, let me, let me check into it and see if we can. Cause what they'll do a lot of times so they can get your business is they will go ahead and try to find all of the, the parts and the components and try to create it for you. And then from there, they can go ahead and offer it to you and then, you know, get the business. Uh, and that kind of happened with me on my third product. Uh, but my second product, uh, she said, no, we don't offer that. But I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'm going to do a little bit more research and try to 
align you with someone that does. And then she turned me over to another agent that I have right now. Now, I just asked my second agent, the one that she turned me on to, about, you know, hey, give me a catalog of your products. And this is like a little tip for anyone out there doing any product research or any of that stuff. Ask your agent to give you uh, a catalog of what the products are that they offer right now, all of them, because there might be something there that isn't really selling or that no one else is selling on on Amazon. And that's something that could be aligned with your business. Just a little side tip there for you. Um, Something that I just thought of recently to do. Um, She did that and they're very... um, they're very, uh, they have a very uh, uh, small catalog, so it really didn't work for me, but I at least wanted to put it out there. So anyway, yeah, it's not an easy, an easy thing here, Michael, to, uh, you know, to be able to just go out there and just type in, you know, agent and find one. Now through Alibaba, they do have a service there and I believe it's free, uh, that you can go ahead and do something similar to that where they'll just go out and then start finding all of the suppliers that match your criteria. So they're kind of acting as an agent. Um, that's one way that you could probably do it. But the thing is, is it's going to take some back and forth, back and forth before you figure out if this person is going to be able to work for you. It's going to take the sample process, right? Where you get the samples and you decide if they're good enough samples to where you're going to want to work with this company. It's, it's really a trust relationship, but there's really no easy solution. There's no directory that I know of anyway, that is uh, going to give you, uh, all of these agents. Uh, so you can just, you know, pick one. Um, now, With that being said, if you wanted to really kick this up a notch, you could head to the Canton Fair or, you know, one of those fairs in, uh, you know, in China. And from there, you're going to have thousands of agents there because they have agents work for the suppliers at these booths that they have for the Canton Fair. And uh, actually, someone that I know right now uh, is actually going over there right now, and he's doing exactly that. He's going to compile a list for himself of all of these agents. So and he's going to be able to see their products. He's going to be able to see their catalogs and all that stuff. So, you know, that's an option. You know, it's an expensive option because you got to get yourself there and you got to spend some time there um, and all that. But it's definitely a way to really get over there. And you're not even going through a channel like Alibaba at this point. You're going right straight to the source. And then these agents are the ones that you're going to be able to uh, connect with. So I know it wasn't a great answer. Um, If you're starting out and you're listening to this answer that I'm giving right now to Michael, um, you know, there is no really easy answer other than you have to do the work as far as going back and forth with the uh, agent or the supplier and then come right out and ask them if they're an agent. That's what I would do too. And it's not a big deal if they are, you're fine with that. You want someone that's working for you in your corner. You'll pay them a small commission to get you the good, you know, the good products and the, and the good pricing and doing all that back and forth stuff. So anyway, long winded answer, but there's no simple solution to that other than doing some legwork and some, you know, taking the time to order the samples and doing your own, uh, you know, your own research and, uh, you know, making sure that it's good quality stuff. So with that being said, let's move on to the next question. Hi, Scott. This is Dave. I just found your um, site this week, and I have a question uh, in regard to private labeling. And if I have a private label product and I post that on Amazon, uh, in, in regard to who gets the buy box, let's say I private label a popular product like a teddy bear, and there's many, many other sellers of teddy bears, um, and we, um, what I've learned is that uh, you've been telling us that uh, I get the buy box. Now, obviously, I won't get the buy box the complete time. How does that work? Does that work by keyword? And let's say I have a similar keyword or the same keyword as many other suppliers. Do I share the buy box? Um, or what's the, um, what's the protocol at Amazon 
is my question. I've never been able to wrap my uh, head around that and would like to have you to answer that. Thank you. Hey, Dave, great question, by the way. And uh, this is something that I want people to wrap their head around. Now, there's been some talk about people hijacking and you know, doing this type of stuff where, you know, they, they get a similar product, then they put the brand name on it, um, or they, you know, even buy your item, uh, you know, off of an auction site or something, I don't know, somehow, and then they get the buy box. But let's just forget about that for a second. Let's pretend that that's not even out there because it's, to me, it's, if you're going into a competitive niche, that possibly could be um, the case that you'll get people that are going to try to go ahead and, and take over your listing. But here's how it works. If you're selling something like, like I think you said, like Teddy Bear or something like that, and it's made by Mattel Toys. I don't even know if they make toys anymore, but you know, a toy company, right? A major brand. And then if you went and you did like the retail arbitrage where you went out and you found a bunch of these at a wholesale price and you could make five bucks on them on each of them, then you could go ahead and jump on that listing. Okay. So that listing by Mattel is going to have the main listing, and then everyone that has that product for sale is going to be in the buy box, all right? They're all going to be in there, and to win the buy box, it usually goes by price, so that's why it becomes a pricing war and all that stuff. With a private label product, you don't have to worry about that because you're going to own the buy box because you own the product, you own the brand, you own the UPC code. All right. So if you did retail arbitrage and you had, uh, you know, a toy, let's say, and then you went ahead and you use the UPC code that they have on that product, because that's what identifies the product that will go ahead now and populate that listing. So you don't even have to write a listing. That's why a lot of people like the retail arbitrage, because you find the product, you take the UPC code, you put it in there and it automatically basically uses that same listing. So there's a lot less work to do as far as images and all that stuff and description. But okay, but let's just say though that you're going to go down the private label route, which that's what this podcast is about. So let's say that you're going to do that. Well, now you own that. So the only way someone can get on your listing is if they bought it and they want to resell it, okay, because they didn't like it or they don't use it anymore. They can do that. Okay, so every now and then I'll see on on one or two of my products, I'll see that it'll say, you know, buy new, and that's mine, and then it'll say buy three used or something at a less at a discount. And so then if someone wanted to buy that product used, they could. So that's the only person that would be sharing that. Now there has been some talk that, you know, some people out there are taking a brand that's selling really well, okay, it's a private label brand, and what they'll do is they'll go ahead and find that same product, similar product, or it has to be really the same, but it has to look the same, and then they'll put the same branding as the company, and then they'll just put their UPC code on it, and then they'll act as though they're you, you're the, they're the brand, and it's really hard to... Um, to go against this or to have Amazon take it down unless you can prove that it's your brand. And if you haven't, you know, if you haven't registered your brand, if you haven't, uh, you know, trademarked your name, um, that could be an issue. I personally think, and this hasn't happened, so I can't say for sure, but I personally say that even if you didn't register it with Amazon, you just listed it as your own brand, but you have custom packaging or a custom logo, they would have to go through all of that work to make it look exactly the same. And if they didn't, then they cannot do that. And then Amazon would go to ha- you know go ahead and take that take their listing off. You would just have to report it. So let's just pretend that that's not happening. Let's just talk about the buy box for a minute. The reason why private labeling is so hot is because when you create your own brand, your own branding as far as your logo, your packaging, all of that stuff, even though it might be you know 
purchase from the same exact supplier, now it's yours because you own the UPC and you own the brand. So now when you list that, there's only one listing with that UPC code and with that particular branding. So I hope that makes sense. That's the reason why private labeling is so really, you know, taking on is because it allows you to, you know, you're the only one offering the buy box. So I hope that that made sense for you. I hope it made sense for anyone listening to this that didn't really understand the concept, but that's the concept. That's really how it's supposed to work. And yes, are there people out there, some shady people that are doing some shady stuff to try to jump on and hijack a, you know, a listing? Yeah, they are. You know, And I've even heard some horror stories where people are running promotions, right? Like for, let's say they're offering their product for a dollar, maybe like a hundred units or something. And they're doing that to, to spike the algorithm inside of Amazon and you'll have these people looking for these all the time and if you have a code that's not a one-time use code they'll go ahead and buy a hundred of those units and then they'll go ahead and they'll jump on your listing and hijack it so I've heard that happening so that's why you want to be careful with those promotion codes I know now that they have the one-time offer code which is great um, so that's really lessly likely to happen but you know as always there's there's people out there finding a way to to hack the system so just be careful that's all all right so that's going to answer that question let's move on to the next Hey Scott, my name is Brian. Um, first, I'd just start by saying thank you. Thank you so much for all the information you put out there and your transparency and just the fact that you're doing this all for free when a lot of people charge for this kind of stuff. Um, and hopefully we can say down the road this will be life-changing for me and, and for a lot of people listening, I'm sure. Uh, my question is regarding the UPC codes. So I'm new to all this. Um, I'm a little bit confused, so if I understand correctly, you purchase UPC code. I guess my question is, then does the manufacturer place that code on your package? Do you place that code on your package? And I also know Amazon has their own FNSKU, and that's a sticker that they put on or you can put on yourself. Um, If you wouldn't mind talking a little bit about that process, um, just as far as the UPC codes and, and, and the FN uh, SKU there and, and how you handle that, I'd really appreciate it. Um, thanks again for everything you do. I uh, look forward to hearing this answer. Thanks. Hey, Brian, thanks for the question and thanks for the, uh, you know, the nice feedback. Thank you so much. I appreciate it that you appreciate it. So <laughs> thank you. Uh, yeah, anyway, let me just answer this really quickly. I've answered this before. I'll answer it again. But the, um, the UPC codes, you need a UPC code in order to list an item on Amazon. Now, I wasn't aware of this in the beginning because, again, I was just learning the ropes just like all of you or some of you. Um, But you have to have the UPC code to basically allow Amazon to know that you have a product that has been, I guess, that has a SKU, that has a retail SKU, okay? It identifies the product. But Amazon has their own SKU, okay? So really, all you need that UPC code for is to give it to Amazon when you list the products because there's going to be there's going to be a spot there that says you know your UPC code so you have to have a UPC code so you could literally just take that UPC code you know type it into the field that says that and then never even put that on your product because they're going to have their own SKU and then just you know have that put on your packaging and then you won't have to pay the fee Amazon charges 20 cents to put that label on there. So if you didn't want the hassle of doing it yourself, you could just have them do it. Now, I currently still do that because uh, I had a bunch of every, you know, I had a bunch of the products already, uh, you know, produced and 
you know, with the UPC code that now what they do is they put their SKU over top of it. They just take a sticker and put over top of it. So it cost me 20 cents per package. Now I'm in the middle of fixing that so I can save 20 cents per unit and Amazon won't care. So there's really no big, you know, big deal on doing this. You can do it either way, but you can save yourself 20 cents if you use their SKU. And you can get that just right in the back end when you're getting ready to list your product. It'll give it to you. Uh, it'll give you their SKU and it'll ask you if you want them to label it or not. And it'll tell you it's going to be 20 cents a piece. Um, now, to have your supplier or your manufacturer label this for you, that's usually common practice. You just tell them what you want on there. They will print it. They will stick it on there and there's nothing you have to do. Now, I know there's some people that they, you know, they get some at Office Max or Staples or their local office store and they'll have a bunch of these printed up and then they'll label them all themselves, which I figure why do all that work if the supplier is willing to do it. I mean, it's just one step you don't have to do. You don't have to touch it. Um, so that's what I would advise doing. But at the least, I would pay 20 cents to have Amazon just put the the, the label on there if you're at that point. Uh, so to kind of recap here, the UPC code is only there for Amazon to or for you to list the product because it has to have a UPC code, okay? Bottom line is it has to have a UPC code because Amazon requires it. So you can go to cheapbarcodes.com or I forget, I think that might be our cheap, our cheap UPC codes, something like that. I'll find the link and I'll put it in the show notes. Um, but yeah, just go and find, you can buy them on eBay or wherever, but just you know, find a legitimate company that sells UPC codes. Usually buy them in a batch. I think I bought like 20 for 10 bucks or something like that. And then you just give them that number, and then from there you'd need the uh, you know the uh, Amazon SKU, the FNSQ, and then uh, you would go ahead and give that to your supplier, and then they would label it, or you would ask them to label it, and then you'd be done. So that's really how it all works. I hope that makes sense. It's not that complicated, uh, and like I said, you can save yourself twenty cents if you um, have your supplier do it for you. Uh, currently, I'm still paying that twenty cents, but I'm in the middle of fixing that. I just have to have my new products coming through with that. Uh, with that code on there or the, the skew. So that's going to answer that question. I hope, uh, hope I did it for you. All right. So uh, let's jump into the next question. Hi, Scott. This is Claire. I'm in the starting phase of selling with FBA and wanted to find out more about how taxes calculated for Amazon fulfillment. I also know that Amazon does some tax collection services. So I'd like to get your opinion on those and uh, just kind of chat through what situations would make sense to utilize a service like that. Thanks for taking the time to review this question, and thanks for making this podcast. Hey, Claire, another great question, taxes. Uh, Sales tax, federal tax. There's two different things that you need to be uh, considering here. Now, sales tax is a little touchy subject. Um, Some people say, ah, screw it, I'm not going to pay it until... I need to, or until they ask me to, or whatever. Uh, I look at it as if you're, if you're a real business, you should try to play by the rules. And again, I'm not an accountant, uh, so any of the information I'm giving you right here is totally what I'm doing and what I you know feel is the best practices. Now, yes, they will collect the sales tax for you. Amazon will. Okay, you have to tell them what states that you want to collect sales tax in. Now, we could do a whole episode on sales tax because it's kind of complicated, but here's how it really works that I understand how it works is even though I live in New York, let's say I may have some items that are stored in the California warehouse, the Florida warehouse, uh, and maybe in Pennsylvania's. 
And if someone lives in California and they ship from the California warehouse, basically I need to collect sales tax because I have a business there now. Okay. And I know how crazy that sounds, but it's all of the, the uh, states trying to get in on the, on the sales tax that they're losing because people aren't shopping locally. Okay. And I kind of get it, but I, they make it very complicated. I'm still in the process of setting up all of the states. There's like, I think, I believe right now, currently there's 14 states that you're supposed to register for and then start collecting sales tax in those states. And it can be very, very complicated because what happens is, is when you go to register for these, a lot of times they want you to register your business first in that state. And then sometimes they won't let you register it because either A, you don't live there or, um, you know, they want you to be there a year or, I mean, just some stupid rules. Okay. But, um, you know, so far the ones that I've registered for, you know, have been pretty easy. California has been a little bit tough. I got to be honest. Uh, and I'm just about, I think I'm just in the last stage of being hundred percent approved and get that. I have to be approved to collect sales tax. I'm going to sell regardless on Amazon, but I'm telling, I'm telling them like, listen, give me a number, give me a, a sales tax number and I'll collect sales tax for you and I'll, I'll pay you. And they're like, they, they make you register your business there. Then it has to get it, go through the approval process. And then from there they send you back that. And then you submit that to the sales tax department. It's like, it's just crazy. They got to make it easier than this. And from what I'm hearing, you know, Congress is definitely going to get in on this and they're going to have to simplify things because, you know, there's a lot of companies, a lot of us Amazon sellers out there that aren't doing it for this reason. It's just a pain in the butt. And you know what, how are you going to track all that? You know, so um, if you're going to do it uh, inside of Amazon, you know, and have them collecting it, you just have to check a little box in the sales tax uh, area and it's in, in the back end of your business uh, seller's account. And and in there, you'll just select the, so if you wanted to be California, you would select that. And then every order that is going to be shipped from California and that is purchased from California, um, it's going to show that it collected that. Now, you have to go in there and physically see all this stuff, okay? Uh, which could be really a pain in the butt. So what I advise doing and what I use is TaxJar. Okay, it's TaxJar.com. And what this does is it... It allows them, TaxJar, the software, to connect to your account, and then inside of there now, they kind of break everything down in like a nice little neat area, a nice little dashboard. So this way here, you know that, you know, you know when all of the due dates are, so they give you all of the due dates for the sales tax. They'll give you reminders of when they're due, and it'll say, you've collected, you know, $450 for California. It's due, you know, whatever, March 15th, uh, and uh, it needs to be paid by then. And then you can either do two things. You can either pre- print out the sales tax form for that state inside of TaxJar and then fill it out manually. Or you can go to a direct link over to the sales tax department of that state and you can do it uh, online and do it that way. And the third way is there's actually, not all states that they're set up to do this, but they have an auto feature where they'll actually do all of the filing and all of the submission uh, you know, to the states and pay so you don't even have to think about it. Now, obviously, there's a fee with that. I think right now I'm paying $30 for the month to manage all of the sales tax stuff. But then I'm also, if I sign up for any of those states that auto, basically auto pays, it's 20 bucks each time it submits an auto pay. So it's another $20 on top of that. A little expensive, but you know what? If you're looking at your time and you're doing this for 12 states, you know, that could be a lot of time that you'd have to hire someone to do it. You know, you should figure 20 bucks is not that big of a deal, especially if you're making money. So anyway, long-winded question, but I felt like I needed to answer that because that's on the sales tax and it gets a little it gets a little complicated. But what I tell people here is like, listen, 
you know, what I did was I waited till I knew that this was going to be a viable business before I went and, you know, did all of this stuff, right? All of this, this, uh, you know, business stuff, you know, so, you know, you got to do what you feel is comfortable. Talk to a legal advisor, your attorney, whatever, and you you go at it the way that you feel that you want to, whatever risk you want to go at it. But that's kind of how I did. I waited till I, I had some sales coming in, so I knew that this was going to be a viable business. Now, the other thing I did want to mention real quick is federal tax, and that's, again, an accounting question. But for me personally, what I do is just, you know, every month that I get, you know, the payment, I see what the payment is, and then I do my my accounting with it and see how much of that's going to be profit. And then I usually take about 25 to 28%. And I kind of like push that aside. So that's kind of like my federal, you know, tax money that I have to, uh, that I have to uh, send in. And actually, as I'm recording this, I'm meeting with my accountant tomorrow for the first quarter of this year. And I'm already going to be sending in a payment for close to $12,000. So, uh, yeah, if you're making money, you're going to, you're going to also send in some money. So make sure that you do that though, because I'll tell you what, uh, my first year I was online going back, gosh, about five or six years ago, I had some really good, uh, really good months, uh, with some launches that I did for some information products. And, uh, you know, I was just kind of doing what I'd been doing before, you know, with making close to a hundred thousand dollars a year, which was a lot of money, but it wasn't as much as I was making, uh, you know, past that. Um, so I was only saving as if I was making that kind of money. Well, then if you double that money, obviously you're doubling how much you should be sending in for, for your income tax. And I sat down on my accountants, like, are you sitting down now? And when I'm like, well, actually he called me, he's like, are you sitting down? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, all right. Cause you know, this is a lot more than we anticipated. And the thing was, I didn't meet with him four times a year and stuff like I do now. Uh, but anyway, ended up, I owed like over like, I don't know, like 18 or $20,000. So here I thought I was doing really good because I had a lot of money cat, you know, cash in the bank. And I ended up having to just basically take a majority of that and send it into federal, uh, you know, income tax. So anyway, definitely pay your income tax, definitely do your quarterly, get a good accountant that can help you out with that stuff. And, uh, you know, do it monthly. I usually do mine monthly, but you have to usually meet with them quarterly. Uh, and then this way here, it can really, um, it can help you at the end of the year. So you're not like caught off guard. I think the end of the year, because we did everything so well this year, I only was, uh, I think I was only short, like maybe 500 bucks, which is, gosh, that's amazing. Right. I mean, if you were, uh, you know, if you were, uh, you know, a few thousand dollars, even it wouldn't be that bad. But you know, if you're ten, fifteen thousand dollars, I know someone right now that just found out that uh, they got to pay in like twenty-two grand because they didn't estimate enough during the year. So definitely worth it to pay attention to that. All right, that's going to end the sales tax and the tax stuff. Hope I answered it for you. And uh, you know, like I said, don't get crazy worried about this stuff until you really start seeing that this is a viable business. But it's definitely stuff that you got to that you got to consider. All right, so let's let's go ahead and answer one more question and we'll wrap up this episode. Hey Scott, love your show. You can call me Kat. So I'm talking with my first supplier about how much shipping of samples will be and also how much shipping of my first minimum order quantity is going to be. Now by your template, it says simply how much is it going to cost to ship to this zip code? So I'm thinking that should work, right? So I asked that and they're asking if I have a account number with FedEx or DHL. Um, I didn't, but I made one. And then they said, if I do have an account number, they can't tell me how much it costs. But if I use their agent, then they can go ahead and make a PI invoice for me. So I'm wondering what all this means. Um, They were also asking uh, what the contact name is, phone number, and the company name. And I'm wondering if they're going to need all these things to make this invoice just so I can get the shipping. 
And I don't technically have a business name legally yet or any of those things. So I'm wondering what your thoughts are. And is it usually easier than this? <laughs> and yeah, give us some thoughts. Bye. Hi, Kat. Great question. And yeah, it can get confusing when you start talking to different suppliers, different uh, agents. I've had a few that that did all this stuff before they would give you kind of like answers. And, um, and I find that those particular ones are more... Uh, you know, they're more or less looking to make, they're, they're treating you as like a really big business. Let's just put it that way. Um, and I'm not saying that you don't want to appear as though you're a business you do, but they're, they're, uh, they're trying to go after, you know, bigger businesses. So they expect to, you're going to have like a, a DHL account, right? You're going to have, you know, uh, an agent already uh, that's going to be able to handle the shipping process and the customs, and that's why they want their contact information. Like I don't usually ever have to give any of that information. It's as simple as it's as simple as me, you know, typing up that email template that I had given out, uh, you know, for the suppliers. And uh, and again, if you're listening to this and you don't have access to that, I'll leave it in the show notes so you can go over to that episode and check that out. Um, but really, you know. For me, giving the zip code and giving what the shipping, how I want it, and all that stuff, I usually get all of those fields filled in by them when they when they call back or when they not when they call back when they uh, when they respond back to me. It is really that simple. I've had a few that ask some of these questions and they won't give me any any information until I go through all of these hoops, and then I just usually just drop them because it's too much work. Um, so I really I just by me putting in so many more of those you know, of those emails out to different suppliers, I find the ones that I want to work with. So I kind of pick and choose. Um, you know, you you don't need to set up a DHL account. I have not done that. And I still have everything. I just received an order today, a very large order. One of those regular size vans was full with my stuff in it. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't have a DHL account technically. I'm doing the air quotes. Um, I, you know, yes, I pay my customs fees through, you know, through their website, but I don't have account for my business. Um, I just let them kind Kind of deal with it, you know, the supplier, and then they kind of set everything up, and then you know, it just takes care of itself. So, you know, I don't think that you might be respond, you know, might be going back and forth with the right supplier right now. That might be another red flag because you don't want to deal with someone that's going to be, you know, at that level. Uh, samples, the same thing. I mean, samples should be as simple as, can I send you the money via PayPal, and can you send it to me DHL? Yes. As soon as you send the payment, we'll send it out. What's your address? That's as simple as it should be. Um, it shouldn't be, you know, needing to know like your EIN number, you know, uh, it shouldn't be that hard. So, um, it just seems like that you might need to keep digging, doing a little bit more digging. So I hope that's answered your question. Keep on, you know, keep at it. Don't give up on that and just, uh, you, you'll find the right one and just keep looking for the, the agent that's going to work with you, um, with this stuff. So that's pretty much going to wrap it up for this episode or this session of Ask Scott. Again, that was episode number 34 and the, uh, yeah, the session is number four. And, uh, again, just, you know, keep submitting your questions. I'll do my best to answer them. I'm going to try to stick to Fridays that I release these. And once again, if you did miss any of the stuff that I mentioned in the beginning of this and you wanted to go check it all out, you can head over to the show notes to this particular episode, which is the amazing seller.com forward slash three, four, and you'll find all of the links over there. And just some of the things that I did mention that I'll point back out again is if you wanted to see the step-by-step beginning from to where I am now, that's what the workshop covered. And you can head over there and, and catch the replay of that or 
If you're listening to this at a later date, there might be a new live webinar that I'm doing that will be similar to what I taught. Uh, but you can find that at theamazingseller.com forward slash workshop, and you'll find that right there. All right. So once again, thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with me today. I hope I've answered some of your questions and uh, everyone that showed up on that workshop. Again, I just want to say thank you so much. It was amazing. And the 25 of you that are listening, because I know you are, uh, we're going to get down and dirty. We're going to go ahead and get this thing built. We're going to go through it together and we're going to get on five hangouts together where we're going to be able to kind of go back and forth and see what your sticking or your sticking points are, your struggles are, and we're going to get you through them. And uh, and again, all of these hangouts that we're going to be recording inside of our new class is going to also be added to the uh, to the area where you have access to everything, like the members area. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. So anyway, that's it. That's going to wrap up this episode. Again, I really do believe you guys can all do this. Anyone can, as long as you go ahead and do the one thing that I say that everyone should be doing, and that is take action. That's going to wrap up this episode. Once again, you guys all know that I'm here for you. I'm rooting for you, and I believe in you. So take care, take action. I'll talk to you later.